Thank you for downloading this sermon from Heritage Baptist Church. We are so glad that you did. We believe that biblically faithful, Christ-centered, God-glorifying local churches are the primary means that God has chosen to expand His kingdom. If you are part of such a church, we hope that this message will supplement your spiritual diet. If you aren't yet part of such a church, we would love for you to visit us. For more details, please check out our website, www.heritagebaptist.co.za. Okay, uh, we're going to begin with prayer and dive into our subject. This is the sixth message, an exhortation to wives. So let's unite our hearts together and seek God in prayer. Lord, we draw near to you now and ask that you would help us during this session immediately after lunch when having our stomachs full, it is very easy to be sleepy, very easy to be drowsy. We pray that you would help us to pay attention to your word and that we would truly all benefit from your word and that we would be made more like the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. So it is the most challenging time to preach to people immediately after a meal. People can be easily sleepy. So if you're sleepy, I won't really notice and I will understand, but try to stay awake. (laughs) So, God has purposed that The woman, the wife, would be the body of her husband. I'm not going to deal with the details of that, uh, but she is one with him, as we all know. But we'll dive into the matter of the primary responsibility of the wife. And if you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 5 and verses 22 and 24, we see this. The primary responsibility of the wife. Ephesians 5:22 and 24. Wives be in subjection to your own husbands as unto the Lord, but as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives also be to their husbands in everything. So it is the wife's God-given primary responsibility to be in subjection or submission to her husband. Now, the wife is also to love her husband. Paul doesn't state that here in Ephesians, but in Titus 2, we are told that older women are instructed to train younger women to love their husbands. So, besides submitting to your husband, a wife is to also love her husband. And the fact that in Titus 2, we are told that older women are to train younger women to love their husbands, it teaches us that love can be learned. We don't normally think that way. We just think love is feelings. But love, biblical love, agapao love, can actually be taught and can be learned. The wife is also to fear or respect her husband. That's in Ephesians 5.33. That's an additional responsibility given to wives. But the overarching emphasis 
in this passage of Ephesians 5 is that a wife must submit to her husband. This is God's command. This is God's hierarchy. This is God's design. Obedience to God in this foundational matter in marriage glorifies God, produces harmony and peace in the marriage, and promotes the gospel in the family and in the world. So, dear wives, you should think of it that way. It is my duty, my obligation. It's a command from God for me to submit to my husband. I am, of course, to love him, as we've already seen, and respect him, fear him. But what you need to see is that when you are submissive to your husband, you are not only glorifying God, you are producing harmony and peace within your own marriage, and you are promoting the gospel in your marriage, in your family, and in the world. When a wife is insubmissive to her husband, she injects confusion into the marriage and home, and God is not the author of confusion. But now let's notice, such submission is in its essence and nature religious. In Ephesians 5.22, Paul tells us that a wife's submission to her husband is to be unto the Lord. That is, her submission is Christian in its very nature. Wives, you must daily remind yourselves that your biblical submission to your husband is not oppression, it's not a cultural reality, it is a biblical, a Christian reality. Your submission to your husband is always to be viewed as unto the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So when your husband gives you some sort of tough command or tough task and you don't feel like you really want to submit, you need to preach to yourself and say, no, my God tells me I am to submit to my husband in all things and I am to do this as unto the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am to think of that reality. Such submission in the second place in its essence and nature is to be wholehearted. In verses 22 and 24 of Ephesians 5, Paul used a very specific Greek word, hupotasso, hupotasso. And that word explicitly means to subordinate, to obey, to be under obedience to, to place oneself under the authority of another. It was a Greek word that was used to describe what soldiers should do in battle to their commanding officer. They were to submit to them, they were to obey them, they were under them. So you see, this word pictures a comprehensive, wholehearted submission. Your submission should be one of principle. You submit to your husband because God tells you to do so regardless of your feelings and emotions at the moment. Your submission is to be voluntary. It really should not be forced. It should be deliberate, intentional, and willing obedience, not a reluctant, grudging, adversarial obedience. Your submission should not only be principled and voluntary, it should be sincere. Such submission should be genuine from your heart, not hypocritical. Your submission should also be joyous. Your submission should not be apathetic or pouting. 
Usually we think of pouting with young children. But sometimes, sadly, a Christian wife, not wanting to submit, can actually show on her face that she's not happy, she really doesn't want to submit, and she's pouting. Her mouth down like this, and she's letting her husband know she's not happy. That's sinful. So your submission should be principled, voluntary, sincere, joyous. This is the reality tied up into that word, hupotasso. You can only do this ultimately as you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, united to him by faith. You need to cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ for that grace to be submissive in this way. But thirdly, such submission is, in its essence and nature, orderly and right. The husband is your head, you are his body. It is orderly and right that you, the body, obey the head. If my physical body starts to do strange, really odd things, if my leg starts to like just jerk off to the left, jerk, and, and my head says, stop that, my brain in my head says, stop that, but my leg keeps doing this, well, something's wrong. Something's wrong neurologically, something's wrong um, in the muscular realm. You see, the body should obey the head. It is orderly and right that you, the wife, as the body, should obey the head, and the head is your husband. And it is disorderly and wrong and sinful to be insubmissive to your husband. You need to call it what it is. You need to call it sin. Well, what are some examples of submission in the Bible? Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. We've gone to this passage before, but I think we need to see it again about Sarah. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. In like manner, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that even if any obey not the word, they may without the word be gained by the behavior of their wives, beholding your chaste behavior coupled with fear. Whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of braiding the hair and of wearing jewels of gold or putting on apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and the incorruptible apparel of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner before time, the holy women also, who hoped in God, adorned themselves being in subjection to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. So you see here, Peter is speaking to wives, and he's also focusing on the, the fact that there are Christian wives who are at times married to unconverted men. And if you have an unconverted husband as a Christian wife, you are still commanded by God to be in subjection to your husband. Well, how much more should you submit to your husband if he is a Christian? Your focus should not be on your outward apparel, but upon your heart. You need a heart of humility, a meek and quiet spirit. Sarah was in subjection to her husband. She obeyed Abraham. She called him Lord. And Abraham, as I've said in a previous message, was far from perfect and sinless. 
So we need to follow, you need to follow the example of Sarah, not in her sin, but in her submission to her husband. But turn now to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Philippians 2 and verse 5. Here is your perfect example, dear wives. Philippians 2, 5. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, counted not the being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, yes, the death of the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ, you see, his submission and obedience to his God and Father was, again, a principled submission, even in the face of death, even in the face of knowing that he would receive the wrath of God. And stop and think about this. None of us here have experienced the wrath of God. And by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will not, if we're trusting in Christ. Jesus had not yet experienced the wrath of God. But Jesus Christ was truly God and truly man in one person forevermore now. So as the God-man, though he had not personally received yet the wrath of God, he understood as the God-man what the wrath of God would be. Not experientially, but he was truly God, you see. And yet with that knowledge, the Lord Jesus Christ submitted himself, his heart, his mind, his will, his life, to his God and Father, even to the point of death on the cross. His submission and obedience to God was voluntary. He willingly submitted himself to the will of his God and Father. His submission and obedience to his God and Father was sincere. He always did the things that pleased his heavenly Father when he was here on earth. His submission and obedience to God, even unto the death on the cross, under the wrath of God, his submission and obedience to God was actually enthusiastic and joyful. Dear wives, think of that. Jesus Christ went to the cross. His submission to his God and Father, his obedience to him was enthusiastic and joyful. And you might be thinking, sitting there this afternoon, really? Well, listen to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is your best and perfect example of what it means to submit, and in your case, to submit to your husband. Well, so the pattern and the model for the wife's submission is the church. In Ephesians 5.24, 
But as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands in everything. So the church is also a pattern and model for you as a wife to follow. So you should ask the question, how does the church submit to Christ? And if you're thinking, you're going to be saying, well, the church does not seem to always submit to Christ. And that's true because of the reality of sin. But nevertheless, we can still answer that question. The church submits to Christ as it is taught by Christ and his word. And therefore, the wife submits when she receives the instruction of her husband and his word. You see the parallel there? The church submits to Christ as it is taught by Christ in his word, and the wife submits to her husband when she receives his instructions, his words. The church submits to Christ as it obeys his rule of righteousness. And the wife submits to her husband when she obeys her husband's rule of righteousness. If he commands her to sin, she's not to submit to that, but the husband's rule of righteousness. The church submits to Christ as it embraces the guidance and protection of Christ and eagerly matures. And the wife submits to her husband when she embraces his guidance and his protection, and she will thus mature. The church submits to Christ as it expresses gratitude for the gifts which the exalted Christ has given to her. The wife submits to her husband when she expresses verbally gratitude to her husband for all of his gifts, his provisions for her. The church submits to Christ as it receives Christ's nurturing love. And the wife submits to her husband when she receives her husband's nurturing love. The church submits to Christ as it imitates Christ and his self-denying love. And the wife submits to her husband when she imitates what her husband would have her to do with self-denying love. The church submits to Christ as it joyfully sings praises to Christ and delights in Christ. And a wife submits to her husband when she joyfully and sincerely praises her husband and delights in him. In all of these ways, you see, the church is the pattern, is the model for you as wives regarding how to submit to your husband. And again, you need to pre preach that truth to your own mind and heart, maybe even on a daily basis, certainly on any occasion when your husband is asking or commanding you to do something and internally you're struggling. Now, I've said before, I say again, you can speak to your husband about those matters for which he is speaking to you and commanding you, not in rebellion, but in seeking to understand your husband. So now that brings us to the extent of the wife's submission, Ephesians 5.24. The church is subject to Christ, so let the wives also be to their husbands in everything. That little phrase, dear wife, don't forget it. 
You are to submit to your husband in everything, in every area of life. No part of your life should be viewed as an exemption from your married life, outside of your relationship with your husband. You are to submit to him in everything, in every area of life, in every sphere of life, unless your husband is commanding you, telling you to do something which is sinful, which is contrary to God's commands, or clearly contrary to God's word. Your obedience must not be a partial obedience, it must be a full obedience. Again, it's not when you agree with your husband. Submission is put to the test when you don't agree. I have fellow pastors, and there have been times when I've wanted to travel to the country of Pakistan for our, to visit our missionary there. And there's been some times when my fellow pastors have said, no, Jeff, you're not going. It's too dangerous there. To which I engage them and I say, look, you know I've been there many times. It's always dangerous there. You know I don't do anything foolish. You know I'm there with the Pakistanis. They know what to do. Jeff, you're not going. I didn't agree with them. But I submitted willingly, cheerfully, wholeheartedly. Totally true. By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I did that. So I didn't agree, but I could submit willingly, cheerfully, wholeheartedly. Wives, that's what you are to do when you don't agree with your husband. You can discuss it, but at the end of the day, you must submit to your husband in everything. Sin accepted. You need to think again of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shape your thinking and living in marriage by the Word of God, not by the world's teachings. Remember that in Jesus Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge stored up. Colossians 2.3 And remember from Colossians 2, Dear wives, dear women, take heed, as Paul warned there in Colossians 2, take heed that no one makes spoil of you through his philosophy and vain deceit and the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. The world is pressing in upon you through media, social media, advertisements, through the place where you might work as a single woman, or if you're a married woman, you may be in the work world. There's all the pressure to squeeze you and conform you into the world's way of thinking and living. And you are to resist that because it is sinful and wrong, and you are rather to be finding the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hidden in Jesus Christ. And therefore, as busy as your lives are, and especially if you have children, you need to plan your day so that sometime during the day you read your Bible consistently, systematically, and prayerfully. In a previous message, I said women should be theologians. You should study your Bible in such a way that you are a theologian. You need the Word of God. Well, look at Ephesians 5.33, an additional 
responsibility of the wife is there in that verse, verse 33 of Ephesians 5. Let the wife see that she fear her husband. As we consider this additional duty of a wife to her husband, this is probably the worst session to do this in because it's right after you've eaten a big meal, filled your stomachs, but I need to teach you a little bit of language, grammar here. The Greek word in Ephesians 5.33 is translated into English with different words. So your Bible might say, fear, let the wife see that she fear her husband, let the wife see she respect her husband, reverence her husband. The Greek word is phobeo, from which we get our English word phobia. So it does mean to frighten, to be alarmed, but by implication it means to be in awe of. We're to fear God. We're to be in awe of God. We're to revere God. And so that's why different English Bibles have different translations there. But you see, when we consider this word in Ephesians 5.33 in the light of how it's used in other contexts, and when we look at the grammar, we understand a variety of things. And one of them is this. It really is a command. I won't explain all the details for that, but it is a command to be obeyed. You're to fear or respect or revere your husband. It is something that is not conditional. So it's not based upon your husband loving you as he should. Whether he loves you as he should or or doesn't, you're still to fear, to respect, to revere him. Paul wants us to understand this. Submission to and fear of your husband will show love to your husband, and it will show love to your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But wives, you need to not be ignorant of your own hearts and your own sins, your remaining sins. You need to understand where you are vulnerable to be insubmissive, and then pray and ask the Lord that you would not be insubmissive. So you need to know yourself. I know that if I'm in a situation with some unconverted women, whatever it might be, a family gathering of unconverted people, and I have some unconverted family relatives, women, who are very, very, very domineering and they're very verbal. And I know if I'm in that situation, I'm going to be tempted to use my tongue, my words, in a sinful, cutting way. So I know that about myself. So if I know I'm going into that situation, I pray and I say, Lord, I need the grace of self-control I need the grace of love for these unconverted relatives. I need to not feel like I've got to stand up, take out my sword with my tongue, and just slash them. I mean, that's sinful. But you see, I know that about myself. So, dear wives, you need to know where you are vulnerable in times of submission, in submission with your husband. There may be times when your husband commands you or asks you to do a variety of things, and you have no problem. That's great. But in this one particular area, whenever he says, I want you to do this, you just, you can feel it. You can feel, I I really don't want to do this. So you should pray, you see, knowing yourself, 
asking God to help you to still submit to your husband at that point in time, willingly, wholeheartedly, cheerfully, joyously. Well, what are some common examples of a wife's insubmission and disrespect toward her husband? If you're married, in one sense, I don't need to be saying this to you, but there are unmarried women here who don't yet know this reality because they're unmarried. What are some examples of insubmission? Disobedience to your husband's commands and directions, even in little things. Your husband tells you, Dear, tomorrow morning, I really would like you to take this envelope, this letter, directly to the post office to mail it. Please do that first thing in the morning. And you say, Yes, my dear husband, I will. Or however you call your husband. Maybe you say, Yes, Lord. (laughs) So, The morning comes, your husband goes off to work, and you think, well, you know, I really was planning to go to the grocery store at one o'clock in the afternoon, so instead of going out now at nine o'clock in the morning to do this, to mail that letter at the post office, I'll do it on my way to the grocery store later. Your husband comes home, he asks you if you mailed it, and you say yes. At that point in time, your conscience should be troubling you, because yes, you did mail it, but you actually didn't do what he told you to do. So then he does something you wished he hadn't done, wouldn't do. He says, so so did you take it to the post office at nine o'clock in the morning? Of course, there's the temptation. You're tempted to lie, which you should not do, because that's sin, added sin. So you say, well, no, I didn't. Because, and then you give all your reasons, thinking he'll say, oh, well, that makes sense. And then he says to you, you know, I know for a fact from the post office that if that letter was put there at 9 o'clock, it would have gone out at the 10 o'clock gathering of mail, because they've told me that's what happens, and it would therefore get to its destination the very next day, and that's what had to happen, Because inside was a letter that that person had to see on that day so they could take action for something else. And because you didn't do what I told you to do, the letter won't get there the next day. It'll get there two days later. It's going to create a big problem. So you might say, well, why didn't you tell me that? If you told me those details, I would have done what you told me to do. Do you see how wrong that is? You're justifying your disobedience to your husband. You're blaming him. He didn't give me all the sufficient facts and details, and so I did what I thought was best. Well, the truth is you simply disobeyed God by disobeying your husband because you thought you'd do better, and now you're blaming him because he didn't tell you all the facts. Well, he shouldn't have had to tell you all the facts. He just asked you to do something, told you to do something, and you decided not to do it. Now, you may think, no wife would do what you just said. I don't think you're correct if you think that way. And you may say, what's the big deal? Well, think back to the previous message. What's the big deal? Pulling the socks right side out after you take them off. 
You are to submit to your husband in the little things of life. You're not to argue with your husband. You're not to debate with your husband. You're not to contradict your husband. You're certainly not to manipulate your husband with your words, your actions, your emotions, your tears, in order to get what you want. You should never, never do that. That is very sinful. You should not speak with disrespectful words of insubmission to your husband, whether in the presence of your children or anyone else or in private. To respect your husband, so we're not just talking about submission, we're talking about respect your husband as well, means you will not humiliate him before others. You won't discuss his sins in public with others. You won't talk about his faults in the presence of others. He should not do that to you. If he does, he's not loving you. If you do that to him, you are disrespecting him. You're not to give the silent treatment. You're not getting what you want. So you just zip your lips shut, you say nothing, and he asks you, are you okay? Fine. To be giving this silent treatment is to be disrespectful to your husband. You're not to show disrespect by your body language. You should not be insubmissive and disrespectful by undermining your husband's authority with your children if you have children. The scriptural cure and remedy for all of these poisonous sins in your heart and marriage is to confess your sins to God through the Lord Jesus Christ and then repent. What does it mean to repent? We use the word, rightly so, frequently. In the New Testament, to repent means you change your mind. That's the starting point. You change your mind, you change the way you think about whatever the issue is. And you turn your mind in the correct direction, biblically, thinking what is biblical and right, and putting off what is unbiblical and wrong. To repent then means you change your will. You will do what is right and biblical. You will not do what is wrong and unbiblical. To repent, it's not only the mind and the will, it's then the heart. Wanting to do what is biblical and right because you know it will please and glorify your Savior. And of course, in this case, it will please your husband. So when you see these poisonous sins of insubmission and disrespect in your heart, in your marriage, dear women, dear wives, you must confess those sins to God through Jesus Christ. You must repent of those sins. You must ask for cleansing in the blood of Christ. And then you must put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You must do what the prodigal son did. In Luke 15, you must come to your senses. You must see these sinful realities and return not only to your heavenly father, but then to your husband. You may need to humble yourself and go to your husband, asking him 
for forgiveness. Indeed, you should if you've been insubmissive and say, my dear husband, on that occasion, I was insubmissive. Now, he may say to you, you know, I actually was not aware of that. You can thank God he was not aware of it, but if you know in your heart you were insubmissive, you need to confess that to him. And then, of course, again, you need to do what is right in your relationship with your husband. There are other things that wives, Christian wives, at times think concerning submission that are wrong. Wrong thinking on the part of a Christian wife. She can at times sinfully, wrongly think, well, God does not expect me to submit to such a difficult, sinful, unloving husband. I can't do this. Well, we've already seen from 1 Peter chapter 3, you are to do that even with an unbelieving husband. Some Christian wives think thoughts like this and say it at times, sinfully, well, if I submit to my husband, he'll just simply walk all over me. Well, I'm not talking about an unconverted husband. Your converted Christian husband should not walk all over you, but you shouldn't be thinking that way about your husband. And though he may be difficult at times in your marriage, you need to remember Proverbs 3 and verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, God, and he will direct your paths. Again, you need to remember the Lord Jesus Christ, who willingly submitted himself to his God and Father. He humbled himself and did that, and you are to follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes a Christian wife thinks, well, if my husband would do what he is supposed to do, then I will be able to submit. If he, my husband, will do what he is supposed to do, then I, I can submit. Well, that's called blame shifting. You see, my husband has to do what is right, then I will do what is right. No, you do what is right, what God commands you to do as a wife in his word. You do what is right regardless of what your husband does or doesn't do. Blame shifting is never, never, never acceptable. You don't say, well, if he only loved me more, or if he only loved me in this way, then I would be able to submit. No, 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 no. He should love you as Christ loves the church. He should. But he will not always do that because he is much in the way of sin remaining in his heart. But your responsibility before God and the living Lord Jesus Christ is to do what you are commanded to do, regardless of what your husband does. You can do all things through Jesus Christ, who strengthens you. You can prove the grace of God in your heart and life and marriage by wholeheartedly, willingly, cheerfully, joyously submitting to your husband in all things, sin accepted, by fearing him, respecting him in all things, 
You can indeed do that. So where are you going to get the strength to do that? A favorite passage that I often mention is Matthew 11, 28 to 30. I'd like you to turn there, please. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. I realize that when Jesus spoke these words, he was speaking to a large crowd of people, many of whom were rebellious, stiff-necked, Some were his disciples, but regardless, these words are words that you as wives should bring into your heart every single day or whenever you need to. Jesus said to that multitude, both disciples and unbelievers, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Dear Christian wives, do you hear what Jesus is saying in verse 30? His yoke is easy, his burden is light. The yoke which Jesus has given you as a wife is the yoke of submission to your husband. And Jesus says it's not difficult, it's not hard, it's easy. He's saying this is not a burden you can't bear, it is a burden that is light. When you go to Jesus Christ day by day, trusting in him, you can indeed find the command to submit to your husband in all things, to respect him in every way, You can find those commands, those duties, to be a yoke that is easy, not hard, and a burden that is not heavy, but is light. It is a yoke, it is a burden, but it's an easy yoke when you trust in Christ, and it's a burden that really is very, very light when you trust in Christ. So, dear wives, This is your primary responsibility to submit to your husband and then this added responsibility to respect him, to fear him, to do that in all areas of your life, all areas of your married life at all times. Jesus Christ is able to give you the grace to do so. So we're going to close in prayer. So let's close. Lord, we draw near to you, and again we cry out to you for your power, your Holy Spirit's indwelling power and grace to enable the wives in this place to truly, sincerely, wholeheartedly, joyously submit to their husbands, to also fear and honor and respect their husbands in every area of life, And Father, we do pray that the husbands would make such submission on the part of their wives to be easy because they are fulfilling their God-given responsibility to love their wives as Christ loves the church. 
Father, we ask that you would do this in every single marriage and family so that these marriages and families would be like a city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden, that they would show forth the gospel of Jesus Christ to the unbelieving world around them, and that the gospel would penetrate into the homes, into the lives of multitudes right here in South Africa. We ask for these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen.